Well, hey there, everyone, and welcome back to Game Store Profits. This is episode 13 of the show where two guys sit down and talk about our geeky lives, but also talk about our godly lives, or we hope they're godly lives. At We'd least. like to assume so. I, I assume so. I, I think most of the time. My name's Luke Navarro. And my name is Mike Perna. So how you doing today, Mike? Happy New Year. It's crazy. It is the new year. I, this is the last you know, one I hear. <laughs> so, Depending on who you want to believe, yes, this may be the last time we wish each other Happy New Year. So let's make it all it's worth. Yeah, so we're <laughs> basically going to just spend the entirety of 2012 playing the Old Republic. That's how I'm going to go out. I don't know about you. <laughs> I, I, it's funny. So I've far, already it's been what I've done. <laughs> I've already been talking to people about the fact that I, I want to... When is it supposed to be? December 21st of 2012? I, I want to have a party on December 22nd. I want to have a blowout on December 22nd. You gotta do it like the, the midnight turnover thing. Yeah, the oh my goodness, yet another time when, when we were all supposed to die but didn't. Phew. We made it. Again. <laughs> you know, it, it. this whole thing just reminds me of... Because they're already starting. Everyone is already like, it's 2012, it's finally... I'm like, oh, just stop. You know what, though? This is... This one, it happens a lot, right? I mean, we always have our crazies. This one, it's going deeper than normal. So, you know, we just had Christmas, obviously, and uh, my mom is a gardener, right? It's her hobby. And I wanted to get her something. And one thing, she's always been a gardener, but she's never planted from seeds and then at the end of the year harvested the seeds and then kept the seeds and replanted the next year. I guess that's a thing when you garden. I don't garden. She does guess is a thing right so i figured this year for christmas first i got her a book all about how to do that and then i thought okay i'm gonna go out and i'm gonna get her heirloom seeds right this this great sort of set to start her off on this process so i go online and i just assume that okay heirloom seed garden starter set google go right (laughs) every single one of these seed companies Every last one of them is a doomsday seed company. They oh, yeah. well, every- these things as like, the end of the world is coming, and you're going to need the seeds, so when you crawl out from whatever hole that you've already built, you can repopulate the earth. Rebuilding society one tomato at a time. Exactly. So I have to go through all these. And it, it was literally hard for me to find a set of seeds that didn't have some sort of apocalyptic labeling on it, so that I could give my mother this gift for Christmas. So I'm telling her this story after she's opened the gift, and she says, oh, you know what? I was talking to one of our new neighbors, and he's building a bunker in their backyard. Did he buy a Y2K bunker, uh, you know, at at Costco or whatever it is? You you go to Costco.com, and you can buy the, like, five-year package of food. you know, he went on eBay and just looked up, you know, Apocalypse and then <laughs> bought himself a bunker. Well, it comes with a bunker, a five-year supply of food, and a whole lot of bullets. Yes. So, yes, it is out there. The world is crazy, folks. I don't think 2012 is going to be the end of the world. I think 2012 is going to be amazing. And, Mike, how has your 2012 started out? 2012 is has gone really, really well. Uh, I'm very just... I'm just excited for the potential of this year and, and just some of the stuff that we're, we've got going on. Uh, we started out the year in church doing this really, it, it, it was really special. I'm, I mean, I, it seems weird to kind of put that label like, it was so special. It was just a wonderful time with all the children. 
but it it really was just a special kind of moment because our our church is not it's it's hard to place our church it's traditional yet not at all at you know it's both at the same time and so every once in a while our guys decide that they want to just throw a curveball because if you do the same thing every year there's only so many times you can hear a message about christmas there's only so many times you can hear the message about you know let's go into this new year serving god but our guys decided that they wanted to do something different just to start the new year off making people think and we they decided that that we were going to just have a prayer service there was no preaching on this sunday the pastor got up spent like maybe maybe 10 minutes on prayer and then we just spent the rest of the church service at these different little prayer stations praying for the church praying for ourselves praying for those in the community and it was just an awesome time and that's how i started my new year and i was very cool with that that seems like an excellent way to start any year yeah so about you luke how did how did you start things off if things go well so far you know uh things have are kind of normal around here uh my my kids are kind of small and my my life is pretty well focused on them and so you know they're annoyed there are fireworks late at night on new year's eve and uh <laughs> I, i'm kind of too too tired most of the time to stay up though this year i did manage to uh to watch dick clark ring in the new year uh you know it's it's a pretty mellow time of year for us because the kids are out of school and so it's mostly well, just I- about family and hanging out I gotta tell you, it was definitely an interesting year for me this year, because normally, as is the tradition with every holiday in my household, <laughs> my my family usually does this huge epic party that, that pretty much ends on, on, you know, at the stroke of midnight, lighting fireworks off and balloons are exploding and we're all setting off noisemakers and pretty much anything we can do to make the neighborhood hate us. <laughs> and, um... This year, we didn't do that because my brother, well, both my brothers, my sister-in-law, my mom, and my dad were all at a wedding on New Year's. Interesting. And so... That's a serious way to start off the New Year. I actually performed a wedding last year on New Year's. And uh, it's it's really kind of crazy just because we've been doing this all the time. Like, there, I, I, there isn't a year that we haven't done this except for this year. And so I ended up going to my fiance's house and spending it with her family, and her family is much more sedate than mine. Far is. less explosive. So I mean, we literally watched, you know, next great baker, and then at some point we 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 watched Tim Hawkins, who's this pretty you know this really funny comedian, and then we turned on Dick Clark and tried to stay awake at that point. Normally I'm 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 firing on all cylinders at New Year's, but. I don't know if it was just the environment or what, but I was about ready getting to old, die. Getting old, man. Getting old. I am, and and literally by the time this airs, I'll be real. I'll be literally older. My birthday's on Friday. Oh, is it really? Happy birthday! Yeah. So, so I, I'm I'll literally... tell you what, though, folks. I know the truth. This dude, he can stay up. Yes, I can. Because man, we're running like heroics, and we're running stuff, and it's like I'm tired. It's late, and I'm like. <laughs> Three time zones away from you, man. It's you true. got like the greatest video gaming stamina out of anybody I know. It's it's and impressive. then I wake up and go and then I wake up and go to work in the morning. Well, that's probably not so good for your work, but it's really good for me. <laughs> really good for me. Speaking of Mike, should we do it? Should we have the Alia Emporia Profete Hour or the 
the the the the the let's the talk update. about Star Wars. Let's do it. <laughs> the oh my goodness, will we ever stop talking about Star Wars minute? Yeah, because I'll tell you, <laughs> I'll tell you what though, man, I am impressed by this game, and I am thoroughly impressed by, and this I am game. impressed by the conversations that we are having conversations typing back and forth in the middle of pressing lots of buttons uh very poorly typing on my end of the uh, conversation yes. at least <laughs> thank you word, word words tend to drop by the wayside when talking to you <laughs> <laughs> i'm busy there are sith to kill uh but we've had like back and forth conversations about how do we play these characters yeah and that's pretty impressive for an MMO. We've talked about that before with lots of other games. We don't need to beat that horse again. But uh, just continue to tell people, hey, if you're listening to this show, I guarantee you, you will like this game. Go get and it. We're on Burger and Burger and Burr something colony. Come play with us. <laughs> well, the, the crazy thing about it, Luke, and you, you were giving me flack about this earlier, is that I, I have my one guy. I introduced him the last time we were talking about this, Malik Fentali. He he's my main guy. He's I, he just hit level thirty earlier today in my last day of vacation. Dude, it is so hard for me to keep up with you. Dude, you're ahead of me. I, right I now. am ahead of you, but you were gone for like four days. Well, yeah. Like I said, I have a system for leveling. It's long tested in WoW, and it's never proven false. All right, well, I just have to play but, more. Um... That's all there is to it. You were saying. <laughs> But uh, I, I've been so intrigued by this whole, not only the mechanics of how each individual class works, but also just the the weird little twists and turns that these stories take. Because uh, Luke, you and I both have said that we played WoW. How long How long were you playing WoW? Uh, three, four years, something like that. Long time. Yeah, I, w- I was easily playing... I had a good stretch in about two years, and then I took some time off, and then I got back in for, like, six months. I think I max-leveled, so like, four characters. I max-leveled three. Right. It's a long time. <laughs> so we both we both put in some serious time in this. But, see, the thing that I, I discussed, I've discovered about this and have, have tried to, I don't know, put into the, the mold of this, of this game is that this game rewards you for doing that. As opposed to WoW, which is like, I'm going right. to make you grind for hours and hours and hate yourself for the amount of time you're putting into this game, only to have you do it again and hate yourself even more because you're repeating the same stuff you were grinding before. This game says, okay, you've done it with this character and you've experienced this story. Now, if you do it with this class, you have this story which has very little, if nothing, to do with the story you played the last time. Well, and these stories have such a degree of subtlety to them. It's impressive. It really is. There are times that I'm like, I don't know which one to choose. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with this one. And let me ask you this. Uh, have you tried, do you have a opposite sex companion yet? Because uh, right now I know you have your lizard guy, and I don't, guy, girl, who knows, it's yes. a lizard. But no, I have... The the closest thing I would have to a female companion would be my smuggler slash scientist dude has a, a AI weird little woman that follows around with him named Holiday who dances about to stun enemies. Excellent. Yeah, he's an interesting fella. But no, all all my people are guys. So I do. I have uh I, I am a commando and 
the spoilers, but one of the companions is a girl. Okay, that's how I'll leave it there. Um, do you know there is, like in Mass Effect, there is the romance option yes. in this game. Now, if you've played Mass Effect, you'll know that, I mean, you could get every girl in that game, no problem. Romance and likewise, is easy. If you're playing... If you're playing a guy, you can, uh, sure, if sure. you're playing a girl, you can get every guy. Right. I'm telling you, dude, it has been harder for me to get this girl to like me than it was to get my wife to like me. <laughs> These companions are hard to manage. Well, we were we were over, we were talking the other day about the fact that we've been trying to figure out because you can get gifts for your companions, right? But you don't know. This is. I mean, I feel like I'm talking about people. You don't know you don't. if the gift you've purchased is going to appeal. Now I'm sure that you could go companion. to a website and find out, right? But yeah, it's but not what's like the fun in that. Yeah, but it's not like you can open up this guy's character sheet and read on there. Oh, I like Republic memorabilia. No, they just tells you this person is like like this and like this and like this, and you have to figure out which of the twenty or so gifts this person would like. Yep. Uh, so there's just such this level of subtlety and depth to the game that you know oh, you for have me no it's a idea. lot of fun, and it's fun have- even apart from the shooting stuff, which is also fun or chopping stuff, I guess in your case. You have no idea the amount of glee that came over me when I finally found a good combination of gift to companion. Yeah, plus ninety four affection. Yay! I I mo- more often than not I give a gift to one of my companions and literally they look at me. I see plus zero affection. They go, Oh, and one time the guy even looked at it and said, well, maybe I can sell it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I'll occasionally get, Hmm. Thank you. Yeah. But I'd rather yeah. not. Oh, and okay. So, so this, this, this scientist guy who's, who's kind of my, my companion at this point, I, I, I found this little item that was like some kind of weird data drive. And I'm like, okay computer sciencey thing with computer sciencey guy and then it said plus 125 and i hear his voice go oh my this is excellent and i go yes <laughs> finally i have done it but yeah i mean there's there's a level of complexity and i i got to tell you just just like i said i'm playing multiple characters uh, only up to a certain point and i i'm playing a uh, a sith warrior and i got to tell you you'd think that you're playing sith clearly like we we touched on the whole you can be dark side right. Republic and light side Sith. I'm finding that it's difficult to be like, you'd figure it would be, Oh yeah. Sith is, e- is easy. Always be Sith. You're always doing the mean thing. No, no. There was one time that I ended up picking the, uh, what I thought was a, a good option and it was light side. And then the guy who gave me the quest, he looked at me, he said, no, no, you picked correctly. And I'm like the Sith Lord just told me that the light side choice I made was the correct one. <laughs> I'm it. There's a level of complexity here that I just find rewarding. Yeah, well, and like I said, it makes everything else in the game fun. And for, oh, yeah. and, and you think, oh, why do you have to, to do these companions and why do you have to make them happy and all that? Because they're crafting speed and effectiveness and their mission speed and effectiveness is based on their affection I'm- for you. If they like you, they work harder and do and a better do a better job. job, right? And you know, whereas before you're just pressing buttons and the same thing happens over and over and over again. Now you have the chance to crit essentially on your mm. crafting, um, or you have the chance to fail, and that's 
When crafting nothing fail. says good times. Nothing says good times like spending seven hundred credits to send your guy off on a mission for eighteen and then minutes with a, with a giant goose egg. Yes, yes. Well, all right. So there you go. That's the uh, the Alia Profetes implore Alia Im- something. <laughs> that is the Game Store Profits tour minute that lasts ten. But that is not the uh, topic for the show, Mike. I know you have something on your heart today, deep. Deep on your heart, heavy on your heart, that you need to share with the congregation, Luke. It so go ahead. It it, it it pained me during this holiday season. We haven't talked about it simply because we got we got we got caught up in the holidays, and nobody wants to have their holiday darkened by this sort of awful. Mm. Nobody nobody wants that, so we neglected to talk about it. However, as we come across this, the holidays are behind us, and I have to bring it up, ladies and gentlemen. The internet has spoken. Steampunk is dead. No. And Justin Bieber killed him. Oh, dude, he's so good at that. (laughs) Uh, Okay. All the doom and gloom aside, what happened was, was that Justin Bieber made a music video. Ah, he does that too. As he is wont to do as a music professional. There's something. And trust me, that just calling him a music professional enough is, you know, digging deep for me. And he made this video, and it was it was of a holiday classic. Santa Claus is coming to town. If you were to go onto YouTube, we might even, if, if we decide to taint our website with this, we might provide a link for this. You can go on YouTube and find Santa Claus is coming to town by Justin Bieber, and you'll see Justin Bieber in gorgeous-looking steampunk gear. I've met some of the people who are responsible for that gear, and oh, it is amazing. Really? It is Did not know we gorgeous. had a personal connection. It is gorgeous. Well, I, it, it'd be a little bit stretching it to say that it's a personal connection. I've met these people okay. and said hi. But, that being said, I've seen what they can do, and this stuff is gorgeous. And it pained me to watch it used as Justin Bieber to have this weird kind of Santa's workshop gone horribly, horribly wrong version of Santa Claus is coming to town. There was so much that I wanted to like about this video, and I, I, you know, really, I do. If you take away Justin Bieber, and in fact, you can also find this video on YouTube, if you take away Justin Bieber, this video is spectacular. There are dancers who are dancing around like clockwork dolls, and they do a just really amazing job of it. Like I said, the set and the costuming is gorgeous. It's just a really cool video if it weren't for Justin Bieber. But that's not what we want to talk about. This is not a hate on Bieber fest, though we totally could. Yeah, I mean, but really, is it necessary? It's not. It's redundant. What this is about is the, is the internet explosion that happened within days of the Bieber video hitting. And that was to say that half the internet started shouting, this is going to kill steampunk. This this one music video, this one holiday music video about this I'm trying to 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 keep my words in in godly perspective when talking about Bieber. Um this this little guy who's who's trying his hardest to sing songs that appeal to 12-year-old girls is going to kill an entire genre, an entire subculture. And he he did it with a, a music video about Santa Claus is coming to town. 
And Luke, we got talking about this and it's, it's the idea of, of people not wanting other people to get, to play in your sandbox. And, and that seems just so ridiculous to me, but every forum that I I'm on every, you know, every aspect of, of the culture that I, I've seen articles are being written and forums are exploding both over here and over in England. Cause I'm on one over there. Oh my goodness. Everyone said that Bieber killed steampunk. And I can't, it, it's an idea of, it's the idea that, you know, the minute somebody who somebody might actually know likes something, it stops being cool. Well, it stops being, go ahead. I, I... <laughs> it's the, so many people were shouting that this is the end of it because it becomes, once it becomes popular, then everyone's going to jump on it. And then when everyone jumps on it, it's going to ruin it for the rest of us. So let me ask you this. You, you are a, uh, you are a steampunk. Okay. The now. Yes. Right. Yes. And from your perspective, as you watch this video now, I know it's Justin Bieber, right? Justin Bieber is. is. We, we've, we've, we've had our rant about that. That's over. But is this thing a, a, uh, just a callous use of something that happens to be popular? B, mocking, or C, actual authentic dude likes steampunk and he wanted to put it into a Christmas video. Okay, well before I get into that, I do want to address that and I I have a a clear uh, answer for that question. But I want to just take a minute just to describe in very short terms what steampunk is. Alright. Because we haven't, we haven't, it hasn't crept in, it hasn't crept into this show yet. We've talked about it on Guys Can Read. We've talked about it on Guys Can Read, but we haven't touched on it here. All right. Which saddens me. Oh, yeah. So definitely do it. Bring it on. Steam, steampunk for the uninitiative, uh, the uninitiated is uh, bas- the, the best way I've described it is if you take a science fiction book and you take a history book and you make them the same book. It usually takes place in the late 1800s. Sometime in you know in the Victorian era, there is some wiggle room with that. Some people will put it in like the Civil War. Some people will put it in the the really late 1800s to early 1900s, but somewhere in there. However, rather than the normal Victorian history that you're used to, your your Dickensian stories, you add things like robots and airships and just all sorts of technology. There there are computers. There's all sorts of stuff that we find in modern society happening back then, how it affects culture, how it affects day-to-day life if the Victorians had the kind of technology that we do today. Okay. That's that's steampunk. To an- to bring it back to the Bieber video, this is what I have to say. The, th- the only thing that truly upset me about this video is the fact that it was so just... it It seemed like the kind of corporate decision that nobody involved actually knows what this thing is. Right. It seems like a, I, I can picture a bunch of people sitting around a meeting table saying, you know, the kids really like this steampunk stuff. How can we put that into a music? Yeah. Video? I mean, I can totally see how this happened, right? We're going to make a Christmas video. Oh, what kind of vibe do we want? Well, let's go kind of Victorian. Oh, do you know what's popular about Victorian stuff right now? The steampunk thing. Oh, let's put that in there. Done. If you watch this video, there's nothing Santa about it. There's no Santa coming to town. Santa doesn't hardly even shows up at all. It's Bieber hopping around this, like, very dark, very dingy kind of... Well, I mean, it's very steampunk, 
factory where these people who are supposed to be like kind of cyborgy kind of things are dancing around. It has nothing to do with Christmas. It has nothing to do with Santa. It was forced. And that, I think, is what upsets me about this video. Because it was just kind of like, like, like shoehorned into this video because it's what's popular. Right. And I th think what the internet re is responding to is this sense that our thing, not that our thing has hit the mainstream, because I, I have some examples of how I can prove that when our things hit the mainstream, we love it. But that our thing was disrespected. That our thing was sort of abused and and maybe even mocked. N mocked isn't the right word because there maybe wasn't that that intention about it. But there was there is a sense that somebody took something, they heard about it, and they didn't spend the time to figure out what it is and why we love it. Well, I, I I'll agree with you. And not at the same time. Because here's what I've discovered. After trolling forums like There's No Tomorrow, seeing what people were writing, seeing what people were, were commenting on, there was a clear and distinct voice amongst the community of, of this is ruined, I don't even want to do this anymore, it's going to be, it's, it's going to show up in Hot Topic and ruin it for all of us. So the, and, the idea know, that basically we just don't want other people to have our stuff. Right. And... When I started seeing that, I started saying, no one's going to miss you when you leave. I just wanted to look at each one of these people who were saying, this is ruined, that Bieber ruined it, and I don't want to play anymore. I just wanted to look at them and say, no one's going to miss you when you leave. Because the only people who are going to leave because of this, the only ones who think that steampunk is ruined because of a silly little music video, are the people who want to do something just because no one else is doing it. They're the people who probably left the goth scene to go to steampunk because fewer people knew what steampunk was. Uh, the, the old saying is, is that, that steampunk is what happens when goths discovered the color brown. And, you know, I think there, there was to a degree some of that, especially as more and more stuff started to hit and more and more uh, articles were written, TV shows were done, the, the uh, conventions started happening. The more this stuff happens, there's going to be people who show up and say, this is cool and it gets, we get to be different. And no one, you know, you know, the people who sign up for something because they like the fact they have to explain it to people. Wow. That, that's, that's profound, man. And I'll tell you what, it, I think that that is, I mean, that's prevalent in all kinds of things. Oh, yeah. I, okay. So let me give you, I'll give you another example. It's EVE Online versus World of Warcraft. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Who's making that's, more money, though? I, I, you know, I never would have made that connection, but as soon as you said it, I'm, I'm so signed on for this analogy. You know, the idea that we want to make it hard for you to enter our world, and we don't want to make the things that we love accessible. Hey, let me give you another example. My favorite example of accessible geekability. Ready? Big Bang mm. Theory. <laughs> True. God, I love it so much because i never get the sense that that the thing that i love is being wasted i i feel like it's like okay hey look everybody look how cool this is everybody come check this out it's amazing and if we can have that vibe as geeks you know i i think that's when we're doing better you know but even line it's like hey everybody come on in here oh yeah i'm gonna kill you and take your ship ha ha 
That's not. And they would they would point and laugh. They would. And it's like, okay, well, you're just a jerk. And remember, Wheaton's rule always apply. Wheaton's rule always applies. But you know, the the craziest thing about this is, and then I I posted the video on Facebook and I posted my thoughts on it, which always gets all sorts of fun reaction from people. The the I think the best comment though. Oddly enough, came from a guy who I, I mentioned that I was reading his book. Um, it's a guy I met at the Steampunk World's Fair. I look forward to meeting him and his co-author, now wife, uh, at this year's Steampunk World's Fair. But uh, T. Morris is his name. And T. got on my page and he said, I'm going to read exactly what his comment was. Hey, my seven-year-old is all about the Bieber. And this might make her think when her dad dresses for a con... He's kind of cool. I can live with that. Hmm. And I thought about it. And, you know, I, I love the idea of more people getting involved with this. I Rather than being so upset that people are getting into the thing that I enjoy, I hope that more people get into the thing that I enjoy. I hope that it becomes more readily available. And I hope that this stuff becomes cheaper because more people <laughs> want it. <laughs> I, you know, I just, I don't understand this whole don't, don't play in my sandbox mentality because I want to celebrate this. I want to play with other people. I want to see what they're going to do. I want to, to come together on this stuff and make cooler and better stuff because of it. And I, like last year, I, I brought a handful of kids with me to Steampunk World's Fair. This year, kids from my youth group. They they came back and they talked about it with their friends. Now I'm bringing at least two or three more kids who heard about what last year was like and desperately want to come with me this year. And I love the fact that these teenagers are getting excited about it. I've had one girl who's been asking me what's going on for this year's World's Fair since a week after last year's. And I love the fact that that's happening. And I, I will do... I will endure the Bieber if it means that more kids are excited about this kind of stuff because I think this is awesome. You know, I think that that is, I mean, that's that's fine. You know, look, I have to say that when I hear my favorite band on a commercial selling a minivan, <laughs> that, yeah, it does hurt me a little bit on the inside. That, yeah, I do say, oh, wait a minute, man. I thought that had more meaning than that. But let's be honest. How many really good hardcore punk Celtic bands are there? Not too many. True. How many True. people have actually heard Celtic punk? Not too many. Well, now a how whole many? Lot how have. many knew that? How many knew that it was even a genre? Right. And you know how many people know what steampunk is? Not not nearly as many as they do now. <laughs> they they know now. You know what? 150 million Twitter followers of Justin Bieber know now. Yeah, they know now. So in in a way, I guess you know it's it's the old all. Press is good press, kind of a uh, kind of an argument, I suppose. So, so Luke, as we've been, we've been talking about this, we you mentioned earlier that you had some examples of you know the, some of the cooler ways that we've accepted this stuff, like the whole um, somebody's invading my space kind of thing has happened. But rather than shun them, we've just completely embraced them. What like like have you ever seen that kind of thing happen? As opposed to this whole shunning nonsense you know i do and you know why you know why i see it because we all have kids now and it's a it's a funny thing that you you mentioned this guy's talking um and it's what t and philippa morris is that who it was yes yeah and you mentioned they were talking about their kids 
Yes. And and so I think that for a lot of things that's happening, you know, one place that I notice it a lot is in video games. Um, so for a while there, let's say about 10 years back, right? Maybe Maybe even 15 years back, video games were, on average, getting way more violent and way more crude. All you have to look for is the the escalation of the Grand Theft Auto games to see that. And yet, uh, you know, and so there came a point in my life as a gamer when I literally said, hmm, I'm not going to own an Xbox anymore because it has low value to me because I have little people in my house who can't see this stuff. And I kind of thought for a while, like, oh, man, I don't get to be a gamer anymore. Uh, and then the Wii came along, and, and okay, the Wii was a great family thing, but and it was fun, and my kids got to play, and that's great, but that's not gaming, you know what I mean? Right. Now, though, the, the video games are, they've gotten to the point where, yes, of course, there are still some violent games, but gaming has become a family experience, that the people who are making these games, and the people who are reviewing these games, and the people who are talking about these games, we're all in the family way. This has become mm-hmm. important to us. And so now, you know, when I'm listening to uh, a Final Score podcast or, or something like that, you know, the people are talking about, like, uh, you know, this game? Uh, no, it's not, it's not going to fly in my house. But these games do. And all of a sudden, gaming, which was this, like, dark, scary, teenage boy world, now belongs to everybody. You know, anybody can play video games. I, not you know my my in-laws have video game systems in their house and it's become every, it belongs to everybody now you know other other things i think like i mentioned earlier big bang theory stuff like that uh i think even like lost did that uh the very accessible geeky storytelling i'm still kind of waiting on the really accessible fantasy story uh i'd love to see that happen but yeah i think you know, I think it's video games is probably the best example of of the way a, a whole industry and a whole pursuit can change uh, to embrace a bigger audience. That and my five-year-old's got mad gaming skills. It's ridiculous. She's going to be amazing by the time she's 20. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing that, that I truly love about about this whole thing like i i kind of touched on it earlier it's the idea of bringing more people in more people bring more voices more voices challenge what is and makes it better and if if you just have the same couple people doing the same thing over and over again okay so another possible example is the new red box and and i, I and, didn't know there was a new red box and 40 period Right? I mean, do you remember the kind of conversations between 3.5? We're talking D&D, folks. 3.5 and 4? And do you remember the sort of vitriol that was happening there? Still is. Still is. But I I think that's one of those places where that conflict is happening. And you see it in DMs, and you see it in gaming shops, even. But for, for sure, Wizards of the Coast has decided, no, we are taking this game to everybody. Mm-hmm. And you know what? It might piss off some people, but oh well. We are going to open up this game so that that new kids, teenage kids, can just p- go out and pick up, you know, the new red box and and go and start playing. And they don't need to have some of us, you know, closer to forty year olds 
helping them, teaching them, controlling their process all along the way. The thing that I want to point out about that, here, here's the deal. When you have things, like, like let's keep going with this, this D&D analogy. You have the 4.0. However, while you have 4.0, you still have materials being made for 3.5. By wizards? Not necessarily by wizards, okay. but by the people who are passionate about the 3.5 system. And that's the thing. That that's what I love about it. It's that it's still available. When when the steampunk thing happened, I said, "Guys, those of us who love it, those of us who are into this, are not swayed by whether so and so likes it or so and so doesn't. Whether you know about it or you don't. Whether the hipsters have embraced it or your parents have embraced it or anything. Thinking hipsters, we enjoy it because we enjoy it. We are passionate about it because we are passionate about it." We love to make this stuff. We love to live in this world. We want to be a part of it. The guys who love 3.5 are still living in that world. They always will. Unless something later comes along that they do enjoy. With all of their charts. With all of their charts. <laughs> I, think, I think you were more profound there than you imagined you were. Oh, I just lost a few friends. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you know, I think that, that that's cool. You know, I, and I think one of the things that we need to to embrace as geeks and also as believers, people don't have to be like us. Right. And we don't have to make everybody like us so that we can continue to do the things that we like to do. Right. And, uh, you know, so we're talking about co-opting the things that we're passionate about today. Uh, man, how easy is it to make that transition to spiritual conversation? Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, to say the least. And, and we can take that in both directions. We can say, you know, there are those of us whose faith is structured in such a way as to be exclusionary, to make it hard for people to come and to experience Jesus. And then we can go the other way as well and say that there are plenty of people out there who, who claim Jesus just to promote their cause or just right. to get elected or just to get a little bit more airtime on ESPN. Oh, wait, I didn't say that. Um, <laughs> you know, look, sometimes we have to recognize that just like in geekery and spirituality, sometimes we have to just let people be. Yeah. And say, you know what? Okay, you don't have to believe the same way I do. You can believe how you want to believe, and I'm not going to try to say you have to live in my sandbox. Or you don't get to be Christian. And I'm also not going to try to say, get out of my sandbox if you don't believe exactly the way I believe. It's, it's always an interesting situation because I've, I've been taught from so many different perspectives on that. I've, I've taught that, that God asks so little of us. He only asks for faith. And I had another a professor of mine, a man who I greatly respect, looked at me and he said, why do we spend so much time looking for what the minimum is? When God has asked us to be certain things and do certain things, why do we look for the, what the minimum is and say, I, at le- I just have to hit that? And so coming at it from these different angles, you know, you, you look at just the way people go through their life and, and go through their walk with God. And, and, you know, from my own experience, this is how I, I work with it. Um, I believe that there are certain pillars. There are certain things that if you want to call yourself a Christian, you do have to believe these things. This this list is not very long, but it is there. Amidst those those pillars is a whole large area where there is a lot of different stuff that, that the Holy Spirit works through conviction, 
that there are differences of opinion, mostly because the Bible teaches both. It doesn't teach either or, it teaches both. And so the the balancing act of that and, and how that works out, and a lot of people look at that differently. My faith doesn't look like, like somebody else's faith. Luke, I think if we went point by point, your faith doesn't look like my faith. Probably and it shouldn't. Not. And it shouldn't. Now, now here's the, the thing, though, is the fact that they're different isn't a bad thing. It's a good thing. What we're talking about is how do you respond to the differences that you have with other people? That's really right. the crux of the issue. And, right. And for me, it comes down to confidence. And I don't mean the kind of confidence that I know I'm right. Darn it. That's not the kind of confidence I mean. I mean a security in your faith that you trust deep down in your heart that the decisions that you've made and the way that you live your life and the belief that you have is yours and it is true to you and it is honestly held. Now, look, we all have our doubts. That's not what I'm, I don't mean that we don't sometimes question. But so often that when we come along and we say, look, I'm going to be exclusionary. Your faith is too different than mine. We can't have a relationship. Really what we're saying is, I'm not confident in my love and trust in Christ. And because I'm a little worried about myself, it makes me feel safer if I get rid of you. And when we do that, we're, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, you know, I love food, man. And mm-hmm. it's my whole world, right? Uh, so I'm watching Anthony Bourdain, which probably is not the best person in the world to be using as an example for a Christian conversation, <laughs> but I like him. So he's in Japan and they're talking about how you behave. No, I'm sorry. He was in Hong Kong talking about how you behave in Hong Kong as a traveler. Mm-hmm. And Bourdain said, you never yell at someone. And his, his kind of partner is the guy he was talking with said, yeah, you know why? Because in China, when you yell at someone, it reflects not badly on them, but it reflects badly on you. Right. When we say, get out of my sandbox, or when we say, we're not going to let things change like that in my sandbox, that doesn't reflect poorly on the faith of someone else. It reflects poorly on our faith. And yes, you're right. We do have to have some boundaries. We can't just be like, oh, sure, anything. But, but like you say, those boundaries are very, very few. And beyond that, just trust that you, trust that you have a faith in Christ. Trust that the things that he's taught you and the way that you are living uh, in obedience to what he's taught you, that's, that's right and that's good. And somebody else may do differently, but you don't have to feel like you have to force them to become like you. Because when you do, all you're doing is indicating that maybe your faith isn't quite as set as you thought it was. Kind of well, like preaching. Well, I mean, it, it's the kind of thing that, that, that should be preached. I mean, um, there's a, a woman in our church, and I love this woman to death. She's a, an amazing, amazing woman. Um, and to explain just how amazing would be dra- dra- dragging up a lot of stuff that, you know, it's not my place to drag up. But she's just a wonderful person. And her, you know, she, you know, there are times when she wonders, like, like, where her kids are at, but at the same point, she is confident that her kids love God. But she was, I was talking with her, and she goes, he's just wondering what that looks like right now. He's not sure what that looks like. He's kind of walking through it, and he's trying to figure it out. And, you know, it, it's hard to do that sometimes, because when you have that understanding of, of this is what a Christian should look like, and this is how a Christian should walk, it's hard to look at somebody else and be like, yeah, okay, you're going to be okay. 
But at the same point, there's so much, you have to let people come to a point. You have to let people experience that and get there. Because if you force them to get there, it's not them getting there. It's you force, it's your boot print on their backside. It's not them actually getting there. It's not a walk with God. It's a, you know, pressed march. Yeah. Uh, You know, but if we trust the cross and we trust the spirit and believe that God spoke to us somehow in some way at some point in our life, whatever that might have been for you, whatever that might have been for me, and let us to first faith in Christ and then into an obedient life, we have to trust that he's doing it with someone else. What, why, right. why do we need to worry about what we do? God's big enough to do that. And the path that he might take someone on, and I'm sure, Mike, the path he took you on, the path that I took, he took me on, are different. Oh, yeah. And that's okay. Well, it's really interesting to me how, how so many people think that it has to be exactly the same for so many people. Uh, because I've looked around, and people are so vastly different. Right. The more you work with people, the more you realize that the way people see their existence is so vastly different from person to person. My my big thing is is that you you sit there and you you see that and you see how people are different. You see how they process life different. And if you want to tell me that the God of all creation, the God who who runs everything, who knows every hair on their head, and and all those verses that so many people are so quick to quote when you want to talk about how wonderful everyone is, why on earth do you think we would come to God differently? We would come to God the same if he made us so different. Do you not think that maybe he wants all of us to come together within that difference and come together and, and be united in that, that difference, that beautiful difference that, that we are all coming together for the same thing. You know, Mike, you, you are getting married very soon. <laughs> very soon uh, i assume that you're maybe going to do some kind of counseling maybe you already have or maybe you're going to we ha- we have we have already started uh, that. all yep. right and uh you know when i was getting married to my wife it was uh, about 14 years ago now we got all kinds of advice and we got all kinds of books and i, I remember one of the books in particular I don't even remember what it was called so i can't you know call out the author or anything but uh and it was a I'm going to call it a militant manual on this is how <laughs> marriage is. Okay. You shall love your wife. Well, and, and no, <laughs> very specific. Like the man does this, the girl does this, the, this is how you talk. And this is how you have conversations about this particular topic. And this is how the, I mean, Oh my, do, 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 right down the line. And I am sure that whoever the person, I think it was actually a couple, whoever the couple was that put that book together, believed believe they were doing incredible good for the kingdom of God. Well, usually people who are writing books do that. Right. And, 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 I, and, and authentically, though. You know, not like in a crazy kind of right. a way, but in, 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 in a real authentic way. Here's the thing. 14 years later, I may not be an expert on marriage, but I'll tell you what I am an expert on. I'm an expert in my marriage. And I know that if we were to have done the things that that book recommends, we would have been in real, real trouble. How do I know that? Because <laughs> we started off that way. Mm. Mike, if you were to come to me and say, Luke, how should I have do my marriage? Give me give me step by step instructions. And I gave you step by step instructions and you followed those step by step instructions to a T. Guess what? Your marriage would not work out the way you want it to. Right. Every single person, every single relationship, including 
our relationship with God is a unique experience has never been ever in the history of the world other than that one special incarnation that that's why marriage is so special that's that's why our relationship with God and even the, our relationship with our children is so special they are those relationships that that only exist the one time and nobody can tell us how to do that except for the spirit of God and he does a really good job at it if we're willing to listen and when in, we're talking about steampunk, okay, that's one thing. You know, just, just be more inclusive and let people play. Right. But when we're talking about life, when we're talking about faith, we have to trust that God can manage people better than we can. He's been doing it a lot longer. <laughs> that he has. And he's got a few more, uh, few more clients on his resume than we do. <laughs> Well, a lot of a lot of times when we try to mandate somebody to be something they're not, it never ends well. It doesn't. I've never seen that go well. Like you have to be this way, and you have to be that way, and if you if you vary from this course, then then your life is a shipwreck, and you should you know you should just give up now. And I just so many I mean, and again, it's usually done by people who have the greatest intentions. The I want you to love God and have a fulfilled existence, but it you can't steer somebody else's ship. And we as geeks know, we know better than anybody that sometimes the path you have to take it, it, it's a different path. You know, it, it's a path that that maybe isn't trodden very often, and that's okay. We love that. That that's part of why we are who we are as geeks, and, and so especially us geeks need to remember. That when somebody we know, somebody we care about, is heading down a path that you're like, ah, that's not the way I'd go. Well, you can mention it to them, but don't try to drag them kicking and screaming onto your path. It's not going to work. Right, and I, th- I think that's the key difference. This is not an episode where we get all postmodern and say everyone needs to do their own thing and you shouldn't ever say anything bad about anybody else's walk because, you know, that's that's irresponsible. This is not a pendulum swinging thing. This is a... This is an understanding who you are kind of thing. Right. Exactly. This is, this is a speak, speak with love, speak with, with discernment, say, you know, there's a, there's a difference between saying, Hey man, I, I think that what you're doing here is going to lead you down a path you don't want to take versus get in line now. Right. There's a difference. It, sometimes it's more of a subtle difference and sometimes it's more obvious, but that's the key difference here. And and a lot of it, you know, we, you talked about the whole idea about geeks knowing that sometimes you got to take a different road. Geeks also know full well that it is our desire to make people fall in line. Yeah, it is. You will love Doctor Who, you will love Firefly, and you will love them as much as I do, or you need to get out. Right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And if you really look back on all the times that we enact that sort of thing, and you, you really take stock of that, you realize that didn't end so well, did it? <laughs> Yeah, shows get canceled. Yeah. And, uh, so, look, yeah, I mean, we have to be honest, right? We hit this from both sides of the fence. Yes. And sometimes we are the ones who are saying, you got to play my way. And sometimes we're the ones saying, hey, please let me try to do this on my own. And wherever you happen to be right now, wherever in the relationship that's, that's important to you right now at this moment, uh, just remember that. And remember that that sometimes we have to back off and we have to let... God be God. And sometimes we have to let Justin Bieber dress up in steampunk. <laughs> I mean, to, to, tie, to tie everything together, 
a lot of it just comes down to like like you said, it's the whole idea of confidence in what you're doing. Right. Not not in, you know, a selfish, prideful way, but just being confident to know that that where you're going and what you're doing, you've you've come there for a reason. You know why you're there, you know what you're doing, and you you, you honestly believe that what you're doing is right. And you want to share that with people without without forcing them, without ruining it, without trying to shoehorn your thing into their lives. We don't like it when it's in marketing. We don't like it when it's in crappy music videos. Why on earth would we like it with our faith? It, it, the, the same kind of stuff that annoys us about this sort of activity should not be the kind of thing we embrace when it comes to talking to people about God. To, to walking through existence as we try to become closer to God. This does not, this does not add up. And instead of being so worried about, you know, people that aren't playing properly in our sandbox, maybe we should try to maybe think about why they're playing that way. Right. And, and maybe evaluate and rethink. And maybe we'll, we'll, we'll reevaluate, we'll rethink and we'll say, you know what? I, I don't buy it. I, I'm going to still play over here on my corner of the sandbox because I don't buy what they're doing over there. Could be. It could be. There's room. There's room enough in this sandbox for that. You know, you can play. You can play with the bulldozer toy over here while I'm going to play with my little buckets and make sandcastles. But it might also be that when we get together and we we hash all this thing out, we might figure out that we've got a new game that we get to play. Mm-hmm. And that's good. Absolutely. All right, Mike, speaking of playing games, time to go kill some Sith. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. It, it's just such a beautiful, beautiful thing that we can do this and talk about God and then go and, and fly about the universe blowing up Sith or in the, the last 20 minutes or so of my existence, you know, killing Jedi. Oh. But <laughs> I can't I'm believe sorry, that you would the... do that. How do you let yourself do that? You're out of the guild. Oh, wait a minute. The Sith... The Sith story is so cool, though. Uh, I'll get to it. I will. But you know me. I gotta. I gotta play out. I gotta play out the thing. I gotta finish the book. I gotta play through the whole game before I can. I can uh, re-roll. Well, one thing that's kind of cool is is that you know to kind of close up in our how do you see us on the internet kind of thing. I will say that. Um, one of the cool things that happened when we, because we were pushing all all the way up into pre-launch, we were pushing, we were saying, join our guild, join our guild, join our guild. One of the reasons we were doing that is because there are certain tools that get got opened up for us as a guild that wouldn't have had we not had enough people. And, I, you know, we've kind of had a bad job of actually using those tools. And so today I decided that, you know, because again, it was my day off, and so I was kind of just enjoying that and playing around with the internet. And so I opened up the forums. We actually have a guild website where we have forums and stuff like that set up by on the uh, Old Republic website. And I'm pretty excited about it. There's, right now, there's only two things, both posted by me. One is a kind of welcome to the guild. This is what we're about. And then another thing that, that is uh, asking people what their characters are, what their stories are, you know, what they're contributing to the world that is Old Republic. And I'm I'm really excited. I want to see that happen. I want to see people posting about cool stories and what they're doing and the kind of characters they're creating and the kind of questions they're asking. And I want the forums to start blowing up with cool stuff. We want you to come. We want you to, to hang out on the forums. And we want you more to come and play with us. So head on over to um, 
Bergerin, Pegerin, I'm never going to remember. Uh, Colin, <laughs> we are Alia Emporia Profete. I got it right this time. Come on over. Just say hey. I am Mag, M-A-G. Super easy, right? Mag. That's not hard. I- you are... Malik, M-A-L-E-K. Come over, say, hey, I heard your show. Boom, you're in the guild. There you go. See how easy it is? Uh, But let's say you're not playing Star Wars The Old Republic for reasons that I cannot possibly fathom. Let's say you're not. How else could they get a hold of you, Mike? The best way to get a hold of me is through TinkerStory.com. It's going to have a lot of links to other stuff that I'm doing. Um, And you never know, more stuff might be showing up because the coolest thing ever I, you know, if if you haven't figured out by now that I love my fiance and I don't say that enough, I totally love my fiance. She got me this amazing novel writing uh, program for my computer for my birthday, and uh, I'm I'm super excited about all the things that it's letting me do and how it's making everything so much easier to organize and work with. So I might actually have stuff that I might post on there soon. You never know. Uh, Tinkerstory.com. You can also, if you email us, we have. Uh, GameStoreProfits at gmail.com. I'm the guy who's kind of in charge of that. If you email us, I will be the one to answer it. Luke, how can people hear more about you? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Luke Navarro, where I tweet about books and food and parenting and video games. Uh, and you'll find out more about this show at GameStoreProfits.com or Facebook.com slash GameStoreProfits. Mike, it's been fun. As always. So folks can remember, God is the Game Master, and no matter how the dice fall, the game plays on.